The code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Hi there, everyone, and glad you're joining us for Minute 10 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. In honor of our first full 60 seconds that only feature a pirate, yes, I said only features a pirate, I thought I would share a couple of pirate quotes from those who brought us the movie. And perhaps they say something about ourselves and the evolution of pirates from reality to myth and all that good stuff that we've come to embrace. Let's start things off with Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer. What could be more fun than being a pirate, or at least a pirate in the movies? Johnny Depp? To be a pirate, it's a childhood dream, isn't it? To basically get away with everything and get paid for it. Arr, me! Thanks for the sound effects, Heather. Then we have the director, Gore Verbinski. There's something primal about pirates. For me, pirate movies have always been about characters obtaining their desires, ultimately through piracy and the good and bad that comes with it. So these are some interesting quotes that resonate with me in that this film, or pirate movies in general, really are escapist pleasures. They appeal to children and adults alike and portray tales of bravery, crime, punishment that really echo across all cultures. And that's why the Disney ride has been popular since 1967. It's still a favorite to this day and motivated a film franchise and continues to inspire people to attend conventions and festivals. And I think it's pretty amazing. So as we contemplate our complex reasons for love of pirate films, I think we should just get this thing rolling. In the previous minute, Elizabeth and Will exchange quips as they flirt before she heads off to Norrington's promotion ceremony. And we get our first introduction to a real live pirate. Minute 10 begins with our pirate jumping down from the mast of his ship. His boots splash into water as it is revealed that his vessel is merely a boat. The minute ends with him sailing into a harbor, again proudly helming the ship from the top of the mast in all his pirate regalia. So what do you think, Heather? This minute actually gives us a chance to check out our pirate in all his glory, standing atop of his mast with his hair, beads, and coins all blowing in the wind. Yeah, I think that's right. When I first saw the minute, I didn't think that we really had much to work with here, to be honest with you. It was him on his ship, or this boat, I should say, and and moving into the harbor, and that was kind of where it left us. There's some background stuff. He does do a kind of a salute to some pirates, Mm. dead pirates or skeleton pirates, which we'll get into. But after I started reflecting on it, it really laid a foundation for some character development here because we're expecting with Pirates of the Caribbean to have a pirate, a traditional pirate as we've been talking about all this time, and a traditional pirate ship. And so now we've we've been brought into this second kind of maybe laugh of the film where he jumps down from the mast or we first see him on the mast and we think, okay, he's on a bigger ship. Mm-hmm. He even grabs a rope when he's about ready to go down, making it look like it's going to be the long haul. You know, he just as well maybe, you know, you're thinking he could put the knife through the sail and slide down like the old swashbuckler films do. And then when he hits and, and when we see him when his boots hit the the ground or the bottom of the boat in the water it's not a boat or it's not a ship it's a boat and it's a leaking boat at that but besides the laugh it's like really looking at his characters we're really looking at a pirates of the caribbean film where we know that there's going to be big pirate ship battles and and all this kind of good stuff 
why is he on this? So he's had either there's setting up some backstory of why he doesn't have a bigger ship or that he's been through some kind of misfortune and that he is able to overcome that and not let it get him down and he's moving on to the next thing. And and it's not that he's even he doesn't even look down on his, his luck actually. He no. looks like the way he's even standing on the mast when we first see the introduction or when he rolls into the harbor, he again kind of mimics that that maneuver is that he is is really just very proud. Oh yeah. And he looks regal and he looks like he's in command and everything is going right to plan. So that's what I kind of get from him, I see this real character set up here of who this guy is, even though we don't know where the story is going to take us, but we know that he is he has a path and he's going to make sure that he gets it done. Right. You have this idea that um, when you see him on a, see him jump down into the boat and the sinking boat, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this tiny little sinking boat, that you're wondering, well, this is our pirate, but what kind of pirate is this yeah we're not going to make believe that even though we don't look into the future of the minutes or we try to avoid that we aren't going to say that johnny depp is just a minor character in this movie we know that he is the big guy the big pirate actor actor for this movie so why is he not in his big ship yeah he should be rolling into the harbor in his big ship and it's the same thing that we've talked about before uh, setting up the tension and the comedy and, and that kind of stuff. And so this is exactly what that happens here. So we're led to believe he's going to be a captain of this big ship just by being Johnny Depp. And then it turns out he's rolling into harbor with this this tiny boat. And it turns out I did some looking into it. Strange, but yes, I did some looking into <laughs> it. And he's actually sa- sailing a dory, which is a small boat has a shallow draft and it's approximately 15 to 22 feet in length. And the larger dories commonly included a single mast and a sail, which is kind of what we see here. And these boats actually were used by freelance fishermen and often carried aboard fishing schooners that were deployed to lay long lines or tend the nets. And in the days before inflatable rafts, and I'm pretty sure there were no inflatable rafts in the 1700s, they were used to travel dangerous whitewater rivers because they had some great maneuverability. And this particular dory, huh. yeah, so it's pretty interesting. That I wouldn't they were want used. to go through white water with this um, this dory. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, this one maybe has gone through white water. That's why it's <laughs> maybe leaking. Maybe that's what's wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, so whatever it is, you don't want the leaking boat, especially when you're in the ocean, for no. sure. And, and actually, that's going to tie into something I bring later up. Yeah, so that's some interesting foreshadowing on our part, and it's just kind of unconscious. But this particular dory has a backstory and a history that eventually plays into this scene and a few characters. We find out the details in the Pirates of the Caribbean short film, which is actually called Tales of the Code, Wedlocked. And although we don't want to spoil that story now, we will cover the short film as a bonus episode in the future, so stay tuned. But for now, I'll just leave you with the name of this dory that he's sailing. It's called the Jolly Mon. The Jolly Mon. Yeah. It must be a Jamaican dory. <laughs> 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 oh no heather's been into the grog already it sounds like so yeah so there's some just some interesting things on that and we'll be able to bring that in future kind of bonus episodes for everybody as we get into that but we don't want to spoil some of the future the future stuff we're going to talk about by by bringing it up now we're kind of doing some uh verbal jujitsu if you will to <laughs> to avoid spoiling some of those things uh we don't but, want to spoil things exactly but 
really he's, you know, this Johnny Depp character who is yet to be named is obviously not really motivated to remove the water from his craft either. We watch him get only one bucket of water out before throwing the bucket down to really pay respect to three pirates, which are now skeletons that are hung as a warning to other pirates. And obviously he has other plans or is not necessarily thinking that it's a big deal that his boat is leaking. So I'm not really sure where he's going with that. Yeah, I found it funny he only scooped out one bucket of water. But then he did get sidetracked. He's seen the hanging pirates. And that sign, I have to mention that sign, the pirates ye be warned sign. Now, this isn't pirate speak, and I find that kind of interesting. I assume the Englishman put up the sign, but yet it's in pirate. <laughs> exactly. I personally did not even know what that meant when I saw that. And so lucky Google has Google Translator. So I was able to go online and type in pirates ye be warned on there. And it turns out that it actually means pirates you are warned. So, yeah, it was really bizarre. So I'm assuming that the English, although they didn't have Google Translator at the time... They probably did have at least a translator, a pirate translator, or they have been used to trying pirates or taking them to court or hanging them or dealing with them. So they have learned or picked up some of the language over the years. But yes, it is for all you out there who don't speak pirate, pirates ye be warned is pirates you are warned. I am so glad there's Google Translator that so that you could figure out what that sign meant. Yeah, I was pretty much left in the, you know, it was just like a fog. I was sitting there staring <laughs> at, what is, what is going on here? Why are these skeletons hanging here? Why is there a sign and why is there an empty noose? <laughs> but seriously, actually, so there is a sign, Pirate GB worn on some kind of shipwreck or boards that was engraved or cut into that. And then there's an empty noose that, you know, is a warning to other pirates, like this noose could be your, yours if you engage in piracy, which is a no-no. For sure. And he did salute the pirates as he was that's going right. by. He the, that's why he actually stopped the bucket, scooping out the water to salute the pirates. Exactly. So he has some reverence for the dead pirates. And I think it's maybe, if, you know, he's a pirate, they're a pirate, and it's just a matter of respect. And so we're going to go ahead and say, sorry, sorry, chums. And sorry, matey, you got caught. And, and Where's your gold? There. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Maybe it's a it's like wishing for good luck. Like yeah. if you wish oh, upon maybe. the skeleton of a dead pirate, <laughs> then maybe you'll find their buried treasure. So then he comes upon some people that were loading some goods from some boats to a ship. It looks almost like they're selling the goods that were in the boat to the ship. If you watch them, it, it kind of looks like they're on the stock market floor. That's you know, right. their arms are waving, they're yelling at each other. You know, so I think that's a great the, description for this scene. Yeah, so he, he's rolling in on the mast, and then we see this bucket float by. Yeah. So we're seeing his bucket, which is com- which we're believed to be that, and we're le- led to believe that it's co- came from his ship. So I think he just abandoned the whole "I'm going to bucket all the water out yeah. of here," and and so he's just sailing back in. So he's all proud on top of the mast again, yeah. coming in. His chest is held out, and he's standing up straight. His head's up. He's so proud. Yeah, he And he's really on the sinking ship. <laughs> so the, the thought in making this pirate was actually they wanted a pirate that no one's ever actually seen before. And I think this character so far, we've only seen him a few seconds, but I think he's playing that part. <laughs> I think so too, because all of these stock traders that are taking wool or whatever else, the goat, the goat and they're, yeah. they're selling all these things to stock this other ship at the dock. All of these people that are doing this 
really look in awe as he is sailing into the harbor and towards the dock. And so I thought, wow, he must either be really famous or infamous, or maybe I should say infamous to quote Ned Nedelander <laughs> from The Three Amigos. And he said, actually, infamous is when you are actually more than famous. So that could very well be. Maybe he is infamous. And so that's why they're really staring at him. But they are really giving him the look of like, what are you doing? Or who are you? Or we know who you are. Something's up there. They they do have that great look on their faces or as he's coming in. Your your boat is sinking. <laughs> That's true. Or your boat is sinking, and you're and you're a weirdo for letting your bucket go away. And you're standing on your mast, all proud. <laughs> yeah. And so, so that could be too. It's like, why is this guy really proud of this ship? He is really up there regal and yet his ship is sinking so or his boat i should say is dory <laughs> so well i guess we'll find out what is really going on in minute 11 when that happens so there's always some interesting details that are going around in the background with the pirates of the caribbean films mm-hmm. especially the curse of the black pearl that we've seen so far and anchored in the bay be- in the harbor there is the henrietta and i looked into that and so if, basically i was able to look and, and zoom in and kind of see that this sh- this ship out there had Henrietta on the name, so then I was able to do some of the research for it. So it's a British merchant marine vessel, and it was specifically a brig for the movie. And, and it's a brig in real life, actually. And brigs were seen as fast and maneuverable and used as both naval warships and merchant vessels, which dated be- back before the 1600s, but were most popular during the 1700s or the 18th century. Hmm. And the brig Unicorn is the actual ship that played the Henrietta, and the Curse of the Black Pearl. And it also makes a reappearance as the Terra Saw in Dead Man's Chest at, and at World's End. So it does come back to us. Okay. But the ship has an interesting history too, going back a number of years, because the ship was also used as a slave ship in the 1977 Golden Globe winning American TV series Roots. And was most recently used as a bar and restaurant in the Rodney Bay Marina in St. Lucia, which, by the way, is the Caribbean country that was used to to film the scene where we find our three dead pirates hanging. So that scene where they're coming in and we see the three pirates, Mm -hmm. that is St. Lucia, actually. Okay. And this is an impressive 148-foot ship that was built in Finland in 1948 to carry cargo in the 1970s and mainly sailed around the Caribbean and was often used as a tourist attraction for visits and cruises. And you can imagine to have something like that is pretty cool. yeah. But there's some bad news with this. Unfortunately, for all you Brig Unicorn fans out there, in May of 2014, she sunk in a freak accident off the coast of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Yeah, on board at the time, there were nine crew members and one captain, and they were uh, believed, according to the story, to have been rescued, or they were rescued by the St. Vincent Coast Guard shortly after the incident. So yeah, the Henrietta... Will not make it into no the longer. New movie. Yeah, the Henrietta is no longer with us. Oh wow! As of 2014, so she succumbed to some real pirate action apparently, and is uh, visiting Davy Jones' locker now. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I wanted to go back to to the pirate warning sign, and so the sign, as we mentioned, pirates ye be warned, that was engraved on wood planks or shipwreck over an empty noose, and this noose is for you if you're a pirate. You know, I really can't help it. I I have to do it as I've got some downright captivating pirate facts regarding pirate warnings (laughs) and it really does have a direct tie to what we see in this minute so ye be warned here it comes pirate warnings were not just the story of fiction or were made up as an effect for pirates of the caribbean it was actually a process called gibbeting and a wooden frame from which dead pirates were hung often in a metal cage especially fitted for the dead man 
and they were like hanging in irons, was done to warn others who think of taking up a career in piracy. It's uh, it's like the anti-piracy sign. Huh. And gibbeting was common law was a common law punishment, which a judge could impose in addition to execution. And this practice was regularized in England by the Murder Act of 1751. Nothing says happy day like the Murder Act of 1751. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, this act empowered judges to impose this punishment or gibbeting for murder. So it was in addition to your execution. So it wasn't that you already getting executed, then you had this additional punishment attached to it. Not that you were going to be around for it, but I guess the thought of it was not necessarily pleasant. So it was most often used for traitors, murderers, highwaymen, and pirates. And then also they threw in the sheep stealers. So, you know, for all you sheep stealers out there, you better be careful. We don't want to see your, you know, you give it in. <laughs> and it was really intended to discourage others from committing similar similar offenses. And the structures were therefore often placed next to public highways or frequently across roads and waterways, exactly where we Just find like the three the three pirates. We, we do see them hanging there. We don't see the full metal hanging iron thing, but we do see them on the gibbet where they're hanging from. So. I did find that kind of interesting structure that they've got this plank of wood, heavy-duty wood, like in between some rocks That's hanging right. up there, and then it's like... Fixed in there. So I yeah, find that and I think interesting. That, that plays into how long these guys were actually left there to hang. So they wanted to make sure it didn't come down. Yeah. So pirates were sometimes executed by hanging on a gibbet erected close to the low water mark by the sea or a tidal section of a river. And their bodies would be left dangling until they had been submerged by the tide three times. And in London, they actually had a place called Execution Dock. And it was located on the north bank of the River Thames in Wapping or Wapping. I think it's whopping, but I'm not really sure. I'm trying but, to think of my days in the UK, but I don't really remember coming across that. And so after tidal immersion, particularly notorious criminals and their bodies, if you will, could be hung in cages a little further downstream at either Cuckold's Point or Blackwater Point, or Blackwall Point, excuse me, as a warning to other pirates of the possible consequences of their actions. I did a little looking into the British Pirates and Society, 1680 to 1730. The other place I go to for light reading is a, you know... <laughs> in addition to the Maritime Journal. And this this particular book showed and talked about some real-world examples of gibbeting that included Captain Kidd, who everybody might have heard of, after his execution in 1701 at Execution Dock, by the way. And his body was left in an iron cage on the Thames for more than 20 years. Wow. Yeah, How did so it stay imp- intact? That's pretty incredible because it was in a cage. So oh, it was, yeah. you know, kept it in there. And so that's why, you know, we see these, pirates that are hanging there so we can only imagine that they were full bodies and then they're skeletons and they'll probably be there until their bones just uh, give way and the weather and then they're they're dangling in the you know and drop into the ocean then so that's why you have all that giddy up there when he comes rolling in and then also captain john gow in 1725 john pre in 1727 Thomas Williams in 1735, Captain Finn, Calico Jack, and the list goes on of all these pirates that were gibbeted uh, out in London and England and by the English. And then Execution Dock is what I mentioned, and that was actually used for more than 400 years in London to execute pirates, smugglers, and mutineers who had been sentenced to death by Admiralty Courts. And the dock, which consisted of a scaffold for hanging, was located near the shoreline of the River Thames. It's just, and its last executions were in 1830. I think when I go there, I'm going to just pass right by Execution Dock. I don't think I want to go visit. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> if you want to see some bodies, you can go to Execution Dock. If you're really into pass. that kind of stuff, or you know, it'd be probably pretty interesting. And I don't know. And actually, I don't know if it, I'm sure it's probably still there uh, to a point. Or it's, it's probably still there, actually. Probably a um, like a tourist attraction, type. yeah, and yeah. A historical kind of museum yeah. thing now. So it might be interesting to do that. But if you're into ghost or ghost hunting, now we're talking a place that you need to go visit for sure. Yes. <laughs> so you were mentioning again the um, pirates that were hanging. They actually, if you notice, they had their like their tattered clothes draped over their skeletal bodies. Still. Yeah. You notice. Yeah, I think that probably that they didn't want them hanging there naked. Well, yeah, I just because, found Because, you know, that, they were you No, know, their skin was gone, but... Because there is some interesting hypocrisy. We're, we'll hang the people there and we'll let them rot and, and be disgusting. And, you know, and if these were by some waterways that maybe people were actually getting water or, you know, in towns and things mm-hmm. like that, there could actually be a health hazard. And oh, that yeah. Was, and there was, in doing some reading on this, there was actually, you know, some talk about that. And so there were some people, even though they didn't like pirates, they didn't, weren't a fan of this process because it did, a, a, you know, potentially harbor diseases, made things unhealthy, and nobody wants, you know, the smell. And, you know, yeah. so you didn't really want that hanging around. If but, you're upwind from it, that would be awful. <laughs> exactly. You didn't want to be, uh, or downwind, or wherever or the downwind, wind's blowing. Yeah. <laughs> wherever the wind's blowing. <laughs> wherever the, which way the wind is blowing, you didn't want to be there. No. And just what you were saying is they were, you know, they had their clothes on. So the English would do this, and they didn't care. But then, yet everything else, they were so modest and so prim and proper. Yeah. And c- making sure everything was covered up and... You know, so there was this real kind of hypocrisy about what was proper and not. So you didn't want to see that. But then, come on, everybody. Come on, little Billy. Let's go see the pirate hang. <laughs> so there, there was some interesting culture that was going on there that we kind of go, hmm, that's pretty interesting for the times. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. And how we relate that to today. So I don't think we're going to go see hangings or anything like that. No, definitely not Eagle on Pass. my to-do list. No. For sure. No. So do you have anything else or any tidbits or facts going on? I have a couple little facts. Let's go. So when um, Jerry Bruckheimer, make sure I say his name right, read the script, he thought very carefully about who he wanted to play um, the pirate in the movie, the main pirate. And um, so they they needed to hire a brilliant actor who had an edge to help widen the audience and show that it was a hip movie rather than a children's movie. Oh, yeah. Because the ride, you think of Pirates of the Caribbean, you think of Disney. And Disney, that's right. The teenage kids may think of the movie as a kid's movie. I see. So they were trying to, you know, make it a little more hip. And so he, they ended up deciding that Johnny Depp would be the best actor for this role. Hmm. Okay. So Bruckheimer <laughs> did it. visited Johnny at his home in France to ask... To ask him to play the pirate part in the movie. Johnny was interested in doing a movie that his children could see. Because oh, he has wow. younger children. Uh-huh. So something that or they could see. younger at the time. Yeah. 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 So after reading the script, he agreed to play, play the part. In fact, he agreed so quickly that it shocked Bruckheimer and Verbinski... Because he agreed almost immediately. Wow. They must have offered him a fat paycheck right then. Or he at least he knew what the paycheck was. Or however that well, works out there. That you come in and you know that you're going to like it. You're going to agree to it. And then you have your set terms. Yeah. I mean, on my you know my set salary of you know $25 million per episode here, you know I just know going in. So I don't really have to negotiate <laughs> that. But it's, it's probably the same for Johnny Depp then. 
Well, another, you know, it's interesting because I guess Johnny, for one thing, he wanted to to do something as kids could watch. But he also does roles that are different. Yeah, not... he does some edgy roles for sure. Yeah. There's things like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and stuff like that that really kind of have an edge to it. He wants to be able to really get into the role, you know, and so he doesn't normally accept something that he doesn't feel he can really get into. Well, all of his characters are rather unique, or at yeah. least later on as he his, he really became that A-list celebrity mm-hmm. and, and megastar. You know, he really did kind of get into some characters. I mean, all of his stuff is really unique, or at least, I mean, I could pull some examples right now, like when he plays the Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. That is a really unique type role. Also... Tonto and the Lone Ranger. Mm, uh, yeah. That's another thing. And, and obviously it shows that he and Disney have a really good working relationship since those are all Disney flicks as well. Uh, but yeah, he really does pull off some interesting characters. And if you want something to stand out or really is going to get the buzz talking about it or maybe that you'll remember for all time. Because I think everybody knows Captain Jack Sparrow and I think that he helped make the movie such a, such a success is because of that. Yeah. You know, people remember it. They go home oh, yeah. and, go, and they just remember him. He seems really likable. Yeah. So. And you said his name. Now we all know. Well, I think we all knew his name, <laughs> but this was this was afterwards. This is the discussion of post. This is the post episode minute discussion. So. Oh, okay. So it's okay here? That's right. Okay. So I, I did have one more one more fact, and this was about Gore Verbinski. What attracted him to the Pirates? Thank of the God G- it wasn't Jerry Bruckheimer because you have such a hell of a <laughs> oh, time. I have a tough time with his name. <laughs> saying his name, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my God, if she's gonna bring up Jerry again, then I'm gonna just really go nuts. Let me see. Oh no, <laughs> thanks. So what attracted him to the Pirates of the Caribbean was the actual concept of the movie, and it, so his agent called and asked him how he would feel about a pirate movie. And his first thought was that pirate movies are singularly the most failed genre of our time. Hmm. So it had to be attempted one more time. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I think because probably, oh man, I'd have to really go look at the movie timeline. But probably the last attempt at a pirate movie was maybe Cutthroat Island with Gina Davis and I think maybe Matthew Modine. And that was, I think, just obliterated by everybody, not well received, and also lost just a ton of money. It may have even been at the time on the list of, you know, one of the movies that lost the most money that year or, or has gone down in history is, you know, be losing so much money. So I can see where he's coming from on that for sure is that there had been some attempts, but there was nothing that was really successful. Do you know the year of that movie or roundabout? <laughs> no, I don't offhand. I could probably try and look it up. That's okay. But. You know, usually I have years at the tip of my tongue and I yeah, knew I when I was going to bring it up. I mean, I yeah, I dropped the ball on that. I can normally ask you that question. You got it right there. Within at least a couple of years, if not on the dot. <laughs> yeah, that that is one thing that I don't remember offhand. But I know that I do remember that it was being, you know, quite the, the colossal fail uh, for sure. So Verbinski also said that pirate films are about when it's right to break the rules to achieve what you want, which is exactly what pirates do. I think everybody should do that. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) To a point. We're all pirates. (laughs) To a point. I mean, obviously, if it's harming somebody else, but I think that there's always a little bit in life where you have to take that risk or you have to break the rules a bit to to do that. Because if, you know, I, I, I live by that rule. 
but you know, I don't harm anybody and I don't want to be gibbeted. So no, we don't want to give it. So I do kind of keep it constrained and I don't go all out with that. But yeah, there is, I do kind of live by that. So yes, I'll, I'll just consider myself and call myself a pirate from now on. Okay. We'll call you pirate Scott. Exactly. Oh, and cutthroat (laughs) Island was 1995 and that didn't just come to me. I actually had to look that up. And I'll probably read back to to look and see what that was, but I do remember that it was, you know, it wasn't something that was quite well received or made a lot of money. So that was unfortunate for the pirate yeah. genre. But yeah, pretty oh. interesting. Yep. I do have one more thought that I want to go back into the tiny boat. Okay. Tiny boat it is. So in the tiny boat, did you happen to it's notice? not really tiny. I mean, 12, you know, well, it's still up to 22. Okay. That you expect the pirate to be sailing. Okay. Tiny sinking boat. Okay. So in the tiny sinking boat, did you notice that right next to what I assume is the rum bottle looks oh. like this humongous coffee cup type thing? Yeah. So, so were we drinking yeah. rum out of that humongous coffee cup? <laughs> yeah. So there's this kind of wicker rum yeah, container, it's alcohol a rub, liquor, because yeah. it kind of reminds me of that. It's like yeah. it, it's almost like a Chianti, where it's in, it has like the wicker portion to it. But this one's all covered in wicker. One of those jugs that you blow yeah, on with and a make jug. <laughs> and it has, and next to it, it's almost like this giant coffee cup. Yeah, it's huge. Or soup bowl or whatever you want to <laughs> yeah. call it with a handle on it. And I'm sure maybe it's for his food. But I thought, man, if that's what he's drinking out of. And then we get some of his kind of, you know, you can start to see some of his mannerisms when he salutes the pirate. Right it's before kind of he a, stands up, yeah. his arm goes kind of wacky. Exactly. And so maybe he is drinking rum. You know, when he's saying he's going to have a glass or a cup of rum, he's really filling that giant coffee cup full of it. And actually, now that you mention it, it reminds me of this movie. And you'll probably get a kick out of this. So I married an axe murderer with Mike Myers. And and in it, he goes to this coffee shop and they bring him this like latte or this coffee. And it's in this huge giant cup. <laughs> it's the scene where he's in the in that kind of hip coffee shop and he actually where they do kind of the poetry yeah can you share up. his poetry for me please Ooh, now i'm on the spot it's uh he gets up she was a thief you got a belief she stole my heart and my cat <laughs> but, and then it goes on but i'm not going to do the whole thing because i'll probably end up embarrassing myself more than i already am <laughs> To have that recall, but I think I do have that committed to memory. That whole whole little Betty? poem. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to talk about cartoons and those hot pussy cats and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so we're going to leave that out with all that. So yeah, I don't even know if we should just go on or if we should just call this a day. <laughs> Heather is obviously drinking grog, and and we're just we're just falling into uh, chaos here. Yeah. So I guess so. we're going to leave things on Cutthroat Island. Mike Myers, So I Married an Axe Murderer, <laughs> yeah. which is actually a pretty good movie. And it has some good stuff in that. And drinking rum from big old Yeah, so we know, that, we know that Johnny Depp's pirate is obviously drinking rum. He has his priorities straight. He's drinking rum from a giant cup on his tiny ship. Tiny so, sinking ship. Yeah, exactly, his tiny that boat. That he's so proud of. It's probably why it's sinking is the weight of the cup and yeah. is actually bringing it down. <laughs> But before we we go crazy and further into this chaotic realm of obscure movies or old movies that people probably don't remember, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 11 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Thank you!
Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. And visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter for additional content and post-episode discussions. 